I think the government needs to do a really strong job advocating and educating the CEOs of major companies that this is an area where we actually need your help. And it really should be, I don't want to go down the patriotic route, but I think it should become uh, a part of corporate responsibility and corporate ethics. Uh, I'm not sure who should be responsible for it. I believe it should come from the White House and kind of some sort of major national initiative. But I do think that cyber should become part of a company's corporate responsibilities. Welcome to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast, where we share short and to the point perspectives on the cyber landscape. It's all about engaging yet casual conversations on what organizations are doing to reimagine their cyber programs while ensuring their business objectives are top priority. With my co-host, Stan Wisseman, Head of Security Strategist, I'm Rob Borrego, Chief Security Strategist, and this is Reimagining Cyber. Stan, who do we have joining us? Rob, our guest today is my friend Param Eftikari. Param was the co-founder of GTRA, as well as the Institute of Critical Infrastructure and Technology, also known as ICIT, where he is still the chairman. Um, but last year, Param took the role of Senior VP and Executive Director for the Cybersecurity Collaborative, which is part of the Cyber Risk Alliance. Param, it is great to have you as part of our podcast, my friend. Can you expand on your background and the current role that you have for our listeners? Sure. Uh, for the benefit of the listeners, I've been in the technology and cyberspace for about uh, 15 years now. Uh, a lot of that has been working with uh, the public sector and the federal government more specifically uh, in general uh, with organizations, some of which Stan has mentioned, uh, to create uh, opportunities for uh, federal technology and cybersecurity leaders to collaborate and share best practices and come up with solutions to solve the needs facing the government alongside their technology partners uh, like CyberRes and others. And so I've uh, been doing that for a number of years. Uh, at, at ICIT, we were focused on producing uh, research, objective nonpartisan research that we shared with Congress, with federal agencies, with the private sector, uh, our critical infrastructure owner operators. And so we created a, a lot of great education and opportunities to partner with uh, institutions uh, like Congress and some of their uh, projects um, like the Cyberspace Delirium Commission and, and other, other uh, agencies across the government. Uh, now at the uh, Cybersecurity Collaborative um, and at CRA, uh, I've kind of shifted gears a little bit. I'm primarily uh, engaging with the, uh, the private sector. And so uh, I'm, I'm essentially tasked with, among other things, leading a group uh, of, of CISOs as part of our peer-to-peer -peer CISO community, which is what the Cybersecurity Collaborative is. Essentially, uh, we are a community uh, that believes that some of the best insights and knowledge that can be uh, used to support uh, and improve security across uh, organizations come from peers. And so we have uh, a, a built a community and a series of services where uh, executives can come together. Uh, we identify the top issues and challenges they're facing. And then we uh, help them uh, share best practices among one another. And more importantly, we capture that knowledge uh, into guiding documents and tools and, and policies, which we then put into our members portal. And we uh, democratize access to that information, if you will, give it, give it not just to the enterprise level members, but also you know, small, medium businesses, state and local government members as well. And it's just a great opportunity to have some trusted dialogue and, and help uh, tackle the face, you know, face the issues of the day. 
Well, Parham, it's great to have you here. You, you, as you've mentioned, you know, you've had a chance to work with a lot of executive leadership, not only on the public sector side, but also on the industry and academia. Um, what have you seen change as far as cybersecurity leadership and that role of, you know, the CISO in the last decade and a half? Uh, let's start with what has changed. I think that the role of the CISO. Uh, uh, and, and really, uh, depending on the size of the organization, um, those who were tasked with being um, leading cybersecurity and, and, and leading risk, I think what we see is that they're they're becoming more and more uh, business leaders and business executives. At least, I think the ones who are more effective and, and efficient in their role understand that it's less about them actually uh, implementing the technology and, and, and kind of doing the, the, the blocking and tackling themselves. They have teams to do that. What's really important for the CISO to do is understand how to navigate um, the business side of the organization to make sure that the priorities that uh, they have uh, as, as the head of the security shop uh, get elevated to the business leaders, right? The board, the CFO, the CEO, the president, all the business unit leads within their organization. And that CISO uh, really acts as that liaison between these, these roles. So I think as you go up um, kind of the food chain, so to speak, and uh, organizations become larger, have more employees, have more endpoints, have, have just uh, uh, you know, more, um, more scale to them, uh, you see the CISO becoming uh, more involved in, in being a business leader. I think that's really been the most stark evolution and, 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 and how that trans- translates into what they do. Thinking about the CISO role and the conversations that you're having more so on the private sector, you know, uh, most recently, what are you seeing out there as it relates to the kind of challenges that CISOs are having in conversations with executive leadership with the board? You know, a lot of things we've kind of discussed in the past is, I don't want to say tactical, but technical, right? They come at it as like technology will solve the problems. The technology will protect this Sure. But the translation of that doesn't make any sense. To the board level, it's what's the business outcome that we're going to achieve, and how are you going to enable us from a cyber point of view? I guess, what are you seeing as the key elements and best practices that are resonating when the CISOs are having the right type of conversation with executive leadership? Yeah, that's a great question. I think first and foremost, it's about understanding what's the priority for your business leadership and executive leadership, and speaking to those priorities. At the end of the day very few business leaders are going to be interested in, in how you're achieving those outcomes. They don't care about the, the solutions, the technology, your layered security strategy. They may want to see it on a slide just to know that you've thought through it at the highest and highest of levels. But the conversation that needs to be had is uh, based on who you're speaking with and what their priority is. End of the day, uh, each of these business leaders has a scope of work, they're getting compensated and frankly bonused on certain on meeting certain business objectives and certain business outcomes, a lot of time tied to revenue. Uh, and, and that revenue and those outcomes can be impacted negatively due to digital risk. And so if you can come to them and say, um, I've identified these risks to the business, to what you're responsible for, uh, and I can help you mitigate those risks by implementing some security strategies and, 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 and here's what they are in business terms. I can, I can reduce the risk of hackers attacking the network. That's all you got to say. A lot of times I think if you leave it at that level and speak about it in the terms of 
that they're interested in and what they're understanding and then tie back to dollars and say, you know, here are some scenarios I've built out. Uh, if, if you're in a manufacturing facility, you say, if we're down for one hour, we're going to lose X amount of revenue. And, you know, th- th- most, most recently, here's five recent examples in our industry of ransomware or, or, or whatever, whatever incident has happened that has cost our competitors X amount per day. Um, that's hard to argue. I think the um, other challenge sometimes is where, as a leader, you report into. So, for example, classically, uh, the CISO reported up through the CIO, and the CIO is more of a technology leader, right? And 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 how they then expect you to represent things up is sometimes with a technology focus because that's how they view things. Um, I'm sure you have seen and talked to lots of leaders and have various different reporting structures, whether it be through the CFO, through the CRO, um, where are you seeing things evolve to? Or is there a, a best practice? Is, is it just personalities? You know, it works best if you have work better with, their, with your leader, no matter what their role title is. I think the things that matter in terms of the impact the CISO can have and, you know, where he or she can have the most impact uh, and where it makes sense are things such as is the person you're reporting to going to have going to be personally impacted based on the recommendations that the CISO is making? You know, I've heard so many stories that the CISO will report to uh, the CIO, and we all know, we've all heard this, right? The CIO says, "Well, I don't want you to make give this report to the board because you're basically pointing out all these potential flaws and issues with the, the, the technology stack that I've built, and I don't want that." So they put a kibosh on it, or in other instances. The CISO reports to the CFO and the company had a bad quarter. And so the CFO is like, I need to save some money. And the easiest thing to do is to cut security because, you know, that's just, it's, it's, it's a nice to have. And so all of a sudden the security budget and the security requests get slashed. In my opinion, one of the things to look for is who can the CISO report to uh, who's, where that individual's perception on what's being recommended by the CISO won't be skewed based on their personal objectives. Because- the role of the CISO, which is why I think we're all saying the CISO should have report to the CEO or the president who's responsible overall for the company. I, I personally think that's where this should be heading to. And I'll give you another you know, interesting example. We're having, we're having conversations right now about uh, at the collaborative. One of the big things that we're talking about is that um, you know, IT modernization. Everyone's modernizing their, their IT infrastructures. And so particularly at larger companies, you have all these um, business unit leads who are out there either migrating to the cloud or investing in you know, cloud-based applications and all this. And um, the CISO is saying, I want to make sure that I have a seat at the table. So when these decisions are being made, we are, whether we're going to be developing you know, custom code or whether it's an API or even just negotiating with a cloud contractor uh, or cloud provider, I can manage this third-party risk, right? That's being introduced into the ecosystem. And to, to do this, either the CISO, you know, him or herself needs to be uh, have the you know the uh, a perspective or, or the personality, frankly, to be able to go out and reach out to these business unit leads and just foster those relationships and and get the buy-in individually, which may or may not be realistic and may or not be always be feasible. Or you need somebody from the top to put in governance and put in policies and mandates to the business unit leads, saying if you're going to spend money, one of the things you need to do is make sure that the CISO is you know, signs off or, or reviews the contract or something. And so I think mean, these are the way in which where the CISO sits and how 
he or she is involved in the process really is going to ultimately have the biggest impact on on the resiliency of, a, of an organization. One of the things, Parham, as you were alluding to on the business side of things that, that, that I, I've seen in working with um, a different financial service organization that was extremely effective and pretty mature was the buy-in at the executive level. Um, the organization had seven different lines of business. And one of the things they did to drive the effectiveness of their cybersecurity program in each of the different lines of business was they tied a portion of the annual bonus for the business leaders across each of the seven lines of business to their cybersecurity program profile and risk measurement. And I've not seen much of that out there. And I think that's, again, a, a way to really move the needle. And the, the other thing that you alluded to is that um, the CISO having the business conversations. And in some of the, again, maybe let's say more pioneering organizations in financial, for example, we see the role of uh, the BISA, right? The business information security officer becoming much more prominent in kind of that layer of let me go as the BISO aligned to a line of business and meet with those owners of the business specifically to translate, right? What the actual needs are from them, their initiatives they're working on, and what cyber's impact and risks potentially could be, and mutually build that partnership to be successfully putting the cyber program to support them in place. What are you seeing out there? Are you seeing that really take off to look at other verticals in some conversations you're having? I mean, it's, it seems like a very prominent role that is helping move things in a positive direction. Bonuses are there to incentivize behavior. And so I, one of the best things I think that cybersecurity practitioners and, and executives can do is get their board to uh, incentivize the right behavior by tying a portion of uh, business unit lead you know, bonuses to uh, different types of um, responsiveness or compliance with what the CISO is asking for. What I, I don't mean compliance in terms of regulatory. I mean compliance with the CISO's uh, actions. So I think that's great. And I think we should see more of that kind of innovative thinking uh, and, and, um, uh, and, and uh, um, partnership between the board, the CISO and the business unit leads. And sometimes uh, maybe you need to strong arm it a little bit, but I think the stakes are too high not to, not to uh, make that a, um, a requirement. I think with regards to the, the, the second question, um, I definitely see that as, as an evolving role uh, that's being, um, uh, you know, that's increasing in organizations around um, the country and, 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 and even internationally. I think that the reality is most likely we're just going to see more enterprise level companies uh, take advantage of that because it, it is something that I think we have, we, we struggle with mid and certainly small size companies, even budgeting for, uh, you know, a large security staff and, and funding what the security organization is asking for. So I think that uh, the, uh, a business information security officer is going to be critical, I think is valuable. I think as a full-time role, probably the bigger companies will do it. I speculate, what if this becomes another, you know, as a service model where you have consultants that can be brought in to help kind of translate and be that um, be that, uh, um, you know, liaison between the business unit leads and the CISOs, maybe that's an emerging, I'm, I'm speculating, but, but, you know, I could see where that becomes an emerging uh, field of, of consultancy in the near future. Hey, Parham, to shift gears a little bit to the work you've been doing with the ICIT, which is as a focus on critical infrastructure protection. Um, you know, we've had some developments over the last few months um, around um, potentially that would help us and um, boost our, our, our protections in this space. You know, we had the executive order from Biden on the NATO agreement. Um, do you think these are in the, going in the right direction? Uh, what else is needed in your opinion? 
I do. I think it's going in the right direction. Uh, the White House announced the stopransomware.gov website. I don't, know if, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at it yet, but it is, I think, a very well-organized you know, website that aggregates all of these different resources that the government has out there. The, the government certainly has an, a very important role to play. I, I was meeting with, uh, with some of CISA's leadership. It was you know, interesting to hear their perspective on how to leverage legislation uh, as a role in moving uh, and advancing critical infrastructure resiliency, both in the, not just, you know, the public sector, but obviously the private sector critical infrastructure. Personally, I think you need a couple of things. I think you need more corporate responsibility to say that, hey, this is a priority. We need to um, take that whole nation approach that I mentioned earlier. I do think that we need to go from just recommendations to requirements. Um, CMMC is doing this by saying, you know, if you want to do business with us, you have to meet these certain standards. I know people have uh, varying uh, per, per, uh, you know, opinions on how effective it is, but I think overall um, we have to start somewhere and CMMC is a wonderful way to start. Arm, you know, one of the things that we've um, discussed in the past is kind of the influences from public sector onto private sector. And there's been a lot of pushback, right? Um, but I'd be interested to get your perspective since you're kind of straddling both sides, right? What you're seeing out there as far as you know, some of these conversations that are happening more from a legislative perspective, the EO is obviously driving a lot at the federal sector. But what are you hearing on the flip side, right? Is, is, is public sector saying, yeah, you know, not only are we paying attention, but we're planning on taking similar action or eh, we're going to continue to do our own thing? Government has not been perfect uh, like, like the private sector. I think they have always been focused on cybersecurity. I think that it's very visible when they're not because they're required to do GIO audits. And so all of their dirty laundry is kind of aired to the public when private sector companies aren't necessarily. So I think we got to remember that. And I think that moving forward, um, you know, you will see, uh, particularly with some of the new new positions that have been created uh, by the new administration and uh, these executive orders and just the flurry of legislative activity. I think a lot of these bills eventually get bundled up together and become one, you know, one, one bill that eventually get passed. Um, and I think this is a, maybe an, a, um, an interesting kind of comment to make, but I think one of the things government could, should do a better job of is just promoting and socializing what they do. Cause everyone always focuses on the things that, that goes wrong. Uh, it's funny. We had Michael Eccles, a, a friend of yours yeah. uh, on in a pre previous episode. And he made the point that he could walk around all around DC and not see any sign or any kind of indication of cybersecurity as, as far as awareness yeah. And, and, and that's to your point, we need to, to raise that bar. Hey, so to wrap up, you know, one of the things you've said in the past is that, um, and, and maybe this is in the context more of the private sector, but it, it's, it's acceptable today to put profit over security, mm -hmm. right? And, and we've come a little apathetic as far as cybersecurity incidents. Now, ransomware may change that, right? Because they really have to focus on how to continue to operate in the face of these kind of attacks. But um, you know, what are some of the ways in which you would incentivize, we talked about how would you incentivize um, business leaders in general, but um, how would you recommend changing those priorities? Yeah, that is the million dollar question. I think that we're a capitalist country. We enjoy uh, our liberties and our freedoms uh, and this democracy that we live in. But because of that, uh, these corporations that are uh, thriving, right, in this in this um, 
system that we live in need to understand that when it comes to this particular topic, uh, security or national security is not something that our government can handle for them, right? There is, there is a certain place that, you know, our physical borders can be kept safe by our government, but our digital borders uh, really cannot because it is majority owned by the private sector. And I really think that going back to this messaging campaign, I think the government needs to do a, a really strong job advocating and educating the CEOs of major companies that, you know, this is an area where we actually need your help. And it really should be, I, I don't want to go down the patriotic route, but I think it should become uh, a part of corporate responsibility and corporate ethics, uh, just like many other things have come over the years. I think that's, that's a very large order. Uh, I'm not sure who should be responsible for it. I believe it should come from the White House and kind of some sort of major national initiative. But I do think that cyber should become part of a company's corporate responsibilities. And I think from the bottom up, it starts with uh, consumers, whether it's individual or you're, a, you're buying on behalf of your company, uh, whether you're a you know, medium-sized business or like the DOD is doing, if we just start to demand and, and, and change our buying habits, I remember it, speaking of GTRA, I remember, you know, this was, I don't know how long ago, but at one of our GTRA events, um, it was the Colleen Coggins and she was a CIO for one of the transportation agencies, I believe. And she gave a talk and it was when cloud was first happening. And, and I remember that she gave a talk and said, and I'm very much paraphrasing, but she kind of talked about how she negotiated this contract. And she, her, one of her points was that, I had security requirements and they didn't want to give it to me. And I said, well, I'm going to take my business elsewhere. And her point was like, we, we have buying power as particularly this government, but co companies do too. And if you're not getting what you want, you can take your business elsewhere from manufacturers and cloud providers and whatnot. Um, and, and, and I think that we just need to speak up and say, you know, if you're not going to give me the, the, the confidence and in, in, in the risk appetite that I have, I'm going to take my business elsewhere. Um, and I think these are the types of things that need to happen in parallel to ultimately change. This is a major societal shift. All this technology is new. And, and we need to just educate companies that what's acceptable for us and what's not and where we see them playing a role in all this. Yeah. And I think you, you just hit on a key uh, chord there around the collaboration requirement between public and private sector. We were kind of alluding to this, but true collaboration, like enough is enough, right? share the best practices, what works on the private sector side of things to help both public sector and then over the other way. Um, there's some good intel sharing, I get it, but not great, right? But it's just, again, beyond that, the best practices that are actually being implemented to support just an overarching improvement are just so critical to our advancement in cyber. Parham, you've, you've, been, you've been excellent in sharing that whole connection point back in, especially with the, the business aspects of what we're seeing out there, right? The structural kind of change and cultural change needed in, in cyber. Um, we've, we've all come to agree, I guess, that if you hit them in the wallet, somehow things kind of move the needles in a positive direction, right? So that's a good thing to hear uh, as it's, uh, it's shifting the momentum in a positive direction. So thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. That was a pleasure. Look forward to, uh, to being here uh, in the future if you need me. All right. Thanks, Parham. Thanks, Parham. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to have us cover a specific topic of interest, feel free to reach out to us and you can find out how in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by CyberRes, a micro-focused line of business, where our mission is to deliver cyber resilience by engaging people, process, and technology to protect, detect, and evolve.